The uh, scripture reading is from Luke chapter 5. Uh, first, I'll be reading it in Greek and then in the English. Και νότο πλήθος τον συνέθλιβε γενακούει το λόγο του Θεού. Αυτό στέκονταν κοντά στη λίμνη Γενισαρέτ. Και είδε δύο πλοία να στέκονται κοντά στη λίμνη. Και οι ψαράδες που είχαν βγει από αυτά ξέπαιναν τα δίχτυα. Μπαίνοντα δε σε ένα από τα πλοία που ήταν στο Σιμωνά. Τον παρακάλεσε να απομακρύνει λιγάκι από την ξηρά. Και αφού κάθισε, δίδασκε τα πλήθη από το πλοίο. Και όταν σταμάτησε να μιλάει, είπε στον Σίμωνα, «Φέρε ξανά το πλοίο στα βάθια και ρίξα τα δίχτυα σας για να ψαρέψετε». Και ο Σίμωνας απάντοντας του είπε, «Ε, κύριε, ολόκληρη τη νύχτα, παρόλο που κοπιάζουμε, δεν πιάσαμε τίποτα. Αλλά όμως, στηριζόμενος το λόγο σου, θα ρίξω τα δίχτυα». Και όταν το έκανε αυτό, συνέκλεισαν ένα μεγάλο πλήθος από ψάρια και το δίχτυ τους ξεσκίσονταν. Και έκαναν νόημα στους συντροφούς που ήταν μαζί του οι άλλοι στο πλοίο και να έρθουν να τους βοηθήσουν και ήρθανε και γέμισαν και τα δύο πλοία όσο βυθίσονταν. Και βλέποντας δε ο Σίμωνας Πέτρος έπεσε κάτω κοντά στα γόνατα του Ιησού και λέγοντας βιέσαι έξω από μένα επειδή είμαι άνθρωπος αμάρτωλός κύριε. Και ο λόγος ήταν ότι τον κατέλαβε έκπληξη και όλες εκείνες που ήσαν μαζί του για το πλήθος των ψαριών που είχαν πιάσει. Παρόμοινα μάλιστα και τον Ιάκωβο και τον Ιωάννη, τους γιους του Ζεβεδαίου, οι οποίοι ήταν συντροφοί του Σίμωνα. Και ο Ιησούς είπε στον Σίμωνα, μη φοβάσαι, από τώρα και στην έξις, ανθρώπους τα πιάνεις. Και όταν έφερε τα πλοία στην γη, αφήνοντας τα πάντα, τον ακολούθησαν. One day, as Jesus was walking by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked them to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. morning. So I'm sure you know that people respond to Jesus in different ways, right? We hear 
We hear the message about his life. We hear the invitation to trust him, to follow him. And we don't all respond the same to that. And in, in this passage that Tina just read for us from the book of Luke, we see three very common responses to the call of Christ, three, three ways that people often will respond to him. And what's interesting about this passage is that all three of these responses are demonstrated by the same person, by a man named Simon Peter. So, um, so what are these common responses to Christ? Well, the first one is the response of, of apathy. And that's when you, you're just really not that interested in Jesus. You, know, you don't really care that much. You, know, you, may have, you may have friends who are Christians. You may have family members who are followers of Christ. And you're, hey, you're happy for them. They found something that, you know, that works for them. But as for you personally, you're just, you're just not into that kind of thing, right? You're, you're apathetic about this. And I would say that's kind of the way that Simon Peter is at the beginning of this passage. So you, you, you read, you see in verse 1, it says Jesus was standing at the lake of Gennesaret. That was another title for the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is there at, at the sea. And it says people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, you'll notice these people who were crowding around Jesus they had not come, on this occasion, they had not come looking for miracles. They hadn't come seeking healing. They weren't, like on other occasions, they weren't here, you know, looking for the food that Jesus might give them. It says that these, these were people who had come to hear God's word. They, they hungered to know the truth of God. They, they, they wanted to know God's will. So they, these were people who were eager to hear from Jesus. Now, in contrast to those people, there's another group of people who are in, in this scene, right? And th this group, they don't really seem to be interested in Jesus at all. And I'm talking about Simon Peter and his friends. Um, unlike the multitudes, Simon and his friends, they had not come looking for Jesus, right? They were not crowding around the feet of the master. They, uh, they, they were not present at this scene because they wanted to hear God's word. Verse 2 says, they were fishermen who were washing their nets. So to me, that's just a vivid scene. There, there's, there's these crowds of people thronging around Jesus. They're all focused on Jesus. And then this little group of guys, they couldn't care less. <laughs> they are focused on their nets. Their, their interest was in other things. And, you know, that's a common response. There's a, there's a book written by Chrissy Cimbala Toledo called The Girl in the Song. And the author of this book, she's the daughter of a very well-known pastor. She, she, uh, she grew up in church. And it's the me her memoir of how it took a long time, but how eventually she came to faith in Christ. And in the book, she writes about how even though she grew up in church, she grew up hearing the gospel, she grew up just personally knowing people whose lives had been changed by Christ, um, she, for a season of her life, she just had zero interest, zero interest in the things of Christ. Um, and, and she was into, I guess, fashion and friends and all kinds of other things. And so in a sense, she was kind of like the fisherman in this passage. She was in, in close physical proximity to the word of Christ, but it, it did not interest her. 
And that's a common response. I'm not, I'm not here to scold anyone who feels that way. I don't think we should make, make fun of that. A lot of people, let's be honest, a lot of people are just not interested. And maybe, maybe that describes you today. Um, and if that's the case, I, I, just, I would point out one thing that I think would be interesting to you in this passage. Did you notice that even though these fishermen were apparently not interested in Jesus... Jesus was very interested in them. He, he noticed them. Verse 2 says, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. Verse 3, He got into one of the boats. He didn't even ask permission, right? He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, asked him to put out a little from the shore. It says, Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, there may have been some logistical advantages to teaching the people from the boat. Maybe this allowed more people to see, more people to hear them. There may have been some, some advantages. But to, to Simon, I wonder if it felt like Jesus was just pursuing him. Like Jesus wouldn't leave him. Alone. Imagine, you know, here you are minding your own business, cleaning your nails. Just, you're not even interested in this preacher. He comes, climbs into your boat. I just want Simon thinking, what is this guy doing? Why doesn't he leave me alone? I, I didn't come here to hear this sermon, and now I have to sit in the boat, wait till this guy's done preaching? You know, I just, why is he pursuing me? So I wonder if, I wonder if, it, if to Simon, it just felt like Jesus, he, he won't stop. He's after me. Now, if that's the case, you know what? Um, Simon's not the only one to feel that way. There are, there are, hundreds of thousands of people alive today who are absolutely enthralled by Jesus Christ. Their whole lives have been changed by Jesus. And they will tell you that there was a season of their life when they just were not interested in him at all, but he would not give up on them. They, they didn't care about him, but he, he still cared about them. They just, so here's, here's the words of a, uh, this is a woman named Diane who has worked as a, uh, as a Christian missionary. And this is what she writes. She says, I'm here to tell you from firsthand experience that even though I rebelled and lived life on my own for years, God never gave up on me. Even, even when I was at my lowest and, and life was hard, God kept pursuing me. He knew that his plans for me were for my good and that he, he would use me for his purposes. She writes, I am a perfect example of God's grace. God took a single mom who struggled for years to find my way and he put me on the mission field. And, and listen, that's, uh, that's not, it's a beautiful story, but it's not a unique one. That's just the way Jesus is. Jesus, did you know that Jesus seeks people who are not seeking him? Right? He, he pursues people who are not interested in him at all. So this, I just think this is such a beautiful thing about Jesus. When people don't care about him, he still cares deeply about them. Romans, Romans 10 verse 20, God, God says this. He says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I, I, was, I revealed myself to those who did not, did not ask for me. And it's, it's, that just verse reminds me of this passage here. Here's these fishermen. They're not looking for Jesus. They're not even interested in Jesus. And Jesus says, you know what? You may not care about me, but I care about you. And he comes and he just climbs right into their boat. So if you're, listen, if today, if you're honest, you really would rather be somewhere else. You're apathetic about Christ. Can we just tell you, we love you. Many of us have been there. We understand. All right? But 
one thing we would want you to know. You may not have come here looking for Jesus, but his eyes are on you. You, you may not care much about him today. He will never stop caring about you, ever. But that's one common response to Christ. It's just apathy. Second common response is the response of fear. That's what you're just kind of afraid. It's not that it's like you're indifferent to Jesus. You're kind of resistant to him. I don't want, I don't want Jesus in, involved in my life. You're just kind of concerned that if, if, if the closer you get to Jesus, the worse things are going to be for you. And you see that next in this passage. So in, in the passage, after Christ is done with his, his teaching and he, he's done teaching the crowds, he says to Simon in verse 4, he says, put out into deep water, let down your nets for the catch. And this must have sounded like a crazy idea to, uh, to Peter. Peter's like, why are you telling me to do this? There's no point to this. We've been fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. We finally got the nets clean so we can go home and get some rest. Now you want me to throw them into the water again? Um, but as, as Tina pointed out, for some reason, Simon just, he, he takes Jesus at his word. And he says, all right, let's give it a try. And you know what happened. So verse 6 says, they caught such a large number of fish, the nets begin to break. They call their colleagues to come with the other boat. Verse, verse 7 says, they filled both boats so full, both boats start to sink. So it's, this is, listen, this is a miracle. This doesn't happen. As some of you maybe are, you fish. This doesn't, this does not happen. This is a, a miraculous catch of fish. And here's what's interesting. Rather being, than being overjoyed by his good fortune, he's got all these fish. Do you notice Simon Peter is overwhelmed with fear. He's afraid. He, verse 8, he says, he falls at Jesus' knee. He says, go away from me, Lord. Leave me, please. I'm a sinful man. Now, why is he so afraid? I, it doesn't say, but I think Peter is having this realization. I don't think he has a full Trinitarian theology, but he's having this growing realization he, he is in the presence of some kind of divine power. This, this is not just a, an average man who is with him. This, in some sense, he's in the presence of the divine. And the reason I say that is in, in the Bible, the only other place in the whole Bible where, some, where someone just causes the waters to teem with living creatures, the only other place is in Genesis 1 on the fifth day of creation when God does that. So Simon has this sense, sense, I am, at the very least, he's thinking I'm in the presence of a holy man, a man of God, and he might have this just sneaking suspicion, I'm, I'm in the presence of the divine itself, and he is afraid. And that's not, listen, that's not unnormal. In, in throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, whenever, whenever people realize that they're in the presence of, of God, their reaction is not like, oh, yes, here I am with God. No, the, the, the common reaction is terror, fear. So, for example, you know the story when Adam, in, in Genesis 3, when he hears the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the morning, he, he hid himself. Like, I have to hide from this. When, when God appeared to Abram in, in Genesis 15, it says that terror and deep darkness fell upon Abram. It, when Moses met the Lord at the burning bush. You know that story? He wasn't like overjoyed. Yeah, I meet God. No, it says he hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. And then there's one beautiful passage, Isaiah chapter 6. 
The prophet Isaiah has this vision where he sees the Lord high and lifted up. The glory of the Lord fills the temple. And Isaiah says, woe to me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So throughout the Bible, the most common response to the presence of God is fear. Now, why is that? I think you know the reason. The reason is because when we are in the presence of God's holiness, our unholiness, is exposed. Our sin is revealed, our selfishness, our pettiness, our, our unbelief, our, it's just all kind of, it's just, in, in the light of God's holiness, we can't hide this stuff about ourselves anymore. It's, it is revealed. And, and so a common response is to Jesus, is fear. Now the question is, not is that a common response, but is that a rational response? Um, there's a, there was a very famous preacher in the 1800s named Charles Spurgeon, and he preached an entire sermon on, on uh, Peter's words in verse 8. Depart, me free, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Whole sermon on, the, on those words. And he pointed out in that sermon, he said, if Simon, if Simon really understood who Jesus is and why Jesus came, rather than saying, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man, he would have said, draw near to me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Now, why did Spurgeon say that? Well, because, if, do, you know the, do you know this? The Bible says that Jesus, God's holy son, he did not come to condemn sinners. So some people think, you know, Jesus, he, all he wants to do is point out what's wrong in my life and make me feel bad. That is not true. The Bible says he did not come to condemn us. He came to rescue us, to heal us, to forgive us, to restore us. So this is the gospel. The reason that God's son took on human flesh, came into this world, died on the cross, rose again, was to restore anyone and everyone who trusts in him to a relationship with God to wash away all the shame, all the regret, all the guilt, to restore and heal. He did not come to condemn. He came to, uh, to restore. And so if Simon had understood this, rather than saying, oh, go away from me, Lord, I'm such a sinner, he would have said, oh, I'm so glad you've come. I'm such a sinner, and I need, oh, man, I need a Savior like you. It's 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a verse worth learning. It says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But Simon didn't know that yet, did he? How could he know this? This is the first time, I guess, he's he's, he's encountering Christ in this way. He didn't know this yet. And so when he meets Jesus, he's afraid. And that's a very common response. Some, some of you, maybe that's, you're, you're just, um, it's not that you're apathetic about Jesus, you just, you don't like it when people talk to you about him. Like if, if he, listen, if I get involved with Christ, if he gets involved in my life, he, I know, I know it, he's going to hurt me in some way. He's going to take away my joy, he's going to make me feel ashamed, he's going to crush my spirit, he will stifle my individuality, I just know it, he's going to take freedom away from me. Fear. Listen. 
I, I remember as a teenager, that was kind of the dominant feeling that I had about Christ growing up in church. If I give my life to him, I just know it. He's gonna, somehow he's going to make me miserable. He's going to force me to marry someone I'm not attracted to. He's going he's to force me to follow some path in life that I don't enjoy. I just know it. <laughs> and let me tell you, those thoughts that I had, I, listen, this may sound weird. I know that they were coming from the pit of hell. It's a lie. He doesn't come to hurt us. Jesus himself said in John 10, verse 10, he said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. He didn't come to take life from you. He came came to give life to you. So there's no need to fear. In fact, Jesus says that to Simon, doesn't he? He says, don't fear. Don't be afraid. But that's a common response. Many of us have, have, many of us have gone through, just like Simon, that season of apathy. I don't care about this. Then, then the season of fear. Don't talk to me about Jesus. And then there's a third response, and you see that at the end. And that's the response that Christ is calling you to today. That's the response of faith. Just simple trust. We read in verse, end of verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Verse 11 says, so they pulled their boats up on the shore. Did you notice it? It says they left everything and followed him. Now, that is a strange response. I don't know how, how in the world did Simon explain, explain that to his wife and his, his family? You know, you did what today? You left everything behind? It's a strange response. At the, at the start of this passage, the only thing Simon Peter is concerned about is his fishing business. He doesn't care about Jesus. He just wants to clean those nets. At the end of the passage, um, his fishing business is now prospering like it never has before. He's never had this many fish. And yet he just walks away. Doesn't matter anymore. Leaves, leaves it behind. Now, why, why did he do that? Well, because Jesus made him a promise. Jesus made a promise to him. He said, from now on, you'll fish for people. Now, there was a lot packed into that promise, and Simon didn't fully understand it yet, but basically what Christ was saying to this man was, listen, if, if, you, if you will just trust me, just trust me, all right? I'm not going to explain it all, but if you'll just trust me and follow me, he's saying, I will give you a life of so much meaning, so much purpose, that you, more purpose than you've ever imagined before. He says, Simon, I will work through you. I will use you. Your life will make a difference way beyond anything you ever dreamed. If you'll just trust me. That's my promise to you. And this fisherman, Simon, he believed. He just chose to believe. Now, the point of this passage is not, the point is not that everyone here needs to leave their job and go into a life of full-time ministry. That's, that's not the point. This, uh, this is a specific call to a specific person. This was made to Simon Peter. In fact, in, in verse 10, where he says, I, I, you, from now on, you will fish for people. The you there is singular. It's not for the whole church. Not everybody has to. You're allowed to, you're allowed to you know, go to your job tomorrow. This is, not, this is not saying you have to leave that. So the specifics of Simon's call are not the same, right? They don't apply to everyone. But the nature of this call is the same 
for everyone. Did, did, did you know that? Everyone, everyone in the world. Jesus, Jesus calls everyone, Mark 1, verse 15, to repent and believe the gospel. Jesus calls everyone, Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus calls everyone, Matthew 16, 24, to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. It, it, it may not entail what it, it did for Simon. You know, God's plan for, for our lives will be different from one person to the other. But Jesus is calling you. He loves you beyond what you can imagine. He, he sees purpose for your life beyond what you can even dream. And he's calling you. Just Will you just believe the promise and trust me? And follow. I don't, I don't, know, where, I don't know where his call for you will lead. You don't know. I'm sure it will involve you doing some really difficult and heroic things in your life. I'm sure of it. But I'm also sure that if you, listen, you trust him and you follow that call, he will love you every day of your life more than anyone ever has. He, he will be with you, listening to you, watching over you more than you can, you can ever dream. And listen to me. He will give your life a sense of purpose and meaning beyond anything you ever dreamed. You know, Peter, uh, in, this, in this little passage, he goes from ignoring Jesus and focusing on fish to forgetting about fish and following Christ. And if you had met Peter at the end of his life, and I'll tell you, from what we know from history, his life ended very painfully as a martyr for Christ. But if you could have talked to Peter the day before he died for Christ and said, Peter, did, do you regret this? Do you regret this? I'm sure he would say, no, absolutely not. If, if, I, if I had ignored Jesus at the end of my life, all I would have to show for myself, my whole existence in this world was just a pile of fish. That's it. But I followed him. It wasn't always easy. But he worked through me. He worked in me. He made me part of a community that was changing the world with his gospel. And my life counted for something. And I want you to know, Jesus loves you every bit as much as he loved the Apostle Peter. And he wants to use your life in some way that, you know, when you get to the end, you might say, I was really hard. Yeah, it was hard. But I'm so glad I trusted. I'm so glad I followed. He's calling you. Let's, let's pray together. Thank you that you don't give up on us, Lord. Thank you that when we ignore you, you don't ignore us. Thank you that you don't leave even when we tell you to. Thank you that for every one of us here, you know us, you know us better than we know ourselves. And you came into this world because you love people just like us. And you, and you died so that if anyone would trust in you, you would give them a life a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life that will last for all eternity and bring glory to God. And so I, I just ask that you would graciously give us uh, strength from the Spirit and faith uh, to follow. In Christ, in your name, Jesus, amen.